just been messing around without having pressed record. Beep, beep. You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain. With none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. Anyway, we just got a question from an anonymous reader that says, Hey guys, love your stuff and I found it really useful in helping my own learning. Just dropping you a message with an inquiry. To say, would you rather run at 100 miles an hour... (laughs) Don't, don't cancel it. Okay. <laughs> just, let, let's just move it out of the way for the moment. Would I rather run 100 miles an hour, Johnny? <laughs> Would you rather run at 100 miles an hour or fly at 10 miles an hour? Fly at 10. <laughs> okay. actually, oh. 100 miles an hour is fast, man. And to actually, you know what? 10 is really slow. At 100 miles an hour, you could just run down the side of the motorway, <laughs> couldn't you? Like, not only, I suppose, the question becomes, how long can you sustain that for? But John, that's a lot of free travel. Johnny, I take it back. I was a bit cocksure with my <laughs> with my response there. I think 100 miles an hour running is a very tempting offer. Oh, I don't ten, know. But 10 miles an hour, so 10 miles an hour is probably a, a fat, like a, a, a jog. It's a, it's a run. Flying, what, what's that? Like, that's basically for the novelty of it. But it's not like it's going to replace any of your commute or any big travel anytime uh, soon. Well, no, because you can go as the crow flies. You're not you're not constrained by roads or well, traffic. You're not with running. You don't have to you, wait. You don't have to wait at traffic lights. No, but you have to. You have to follow the road network. Like you can't you can't run through that house. I reckon if you combine running 100 miles an hour with like some basic parkour skills, and if you, if you can run that fast, you could run up a wall but, until you lose momentum. Um, but you, you've got to be able to reach 100 miles an hour, so there's an acceleration aspect. Are you still as prone to injury? If I just go up and then over, and I'm just going at 10 miles an hour while you're having to like navigate through all these other places. 10 times as fast, though. Like You, you could go... Run, oh, run. Wow, I wish okay. we could test it. Well, you, you can test it now. Out of the window, we have, there's a house, okay? Yep. Now, if you could fly at 10 miles an hour, there's, mm-hmm. there's the arc over the house. So yes, that would be shorter, shortest distance. <laughs> but to run 100 miles an hour just around the building and to get to that side... But you're going to need... You can't you're just, saying it's ten times the distance. There is, there's distance required to reach 100 miles an hour, and then distance required to maintain the 100 miles an hour. So you're saying so it's not 100 miles an hour, it's like you, you have to accelerate... Well, but yeah, of course you do. But why not Even if flying? you accelerate really fast. Well, you, you do, but once <laughs> I'm up there, once I'm up there... And you I, hit critical I'm, mass. I'm at 10 miles an hour. I'm at 10 miles an hour until <laughs> I reach... Unless, just, I, unless that, I encounter yeah. like a helicopter or a big bird... Like a bird of prey, for example, that, that, that might that might throw a, a spanner in the proverbial works. Are you as prone to injury with the running? Because I can imagine, like if you yeah. trip or if you run D- into a car, or ding something, a hamstring. Oh, you properly ding a hamstring. <laughs> Getting up to hundred miles an hour. Oh, it would knack. It would snap. Yeah, and then you'd have to just be Tom Martin about it. And I don't think we've ever been so divided on a would you rather. Mm. I can't believe you're Did like. I, well, in fairness, without when I didn't think properly, I was like, "Oh, flying!" But mm-hmm. that's just because everyone thinks flying would be so, fun. So, running 100 miles an hour would be great if you like. If you wanted to get to Cambridge, for example, then you would you would shit all over me. But if I'm like, let's meet at Starbucks in town. How long would it take you to get to Cambridge? Let's say 300 miles divided by 10. It's much further than 300 miles. Okay, so let's. Say, so I don't know why I use the calculator for that. I was really stupid. Like 40 hours. So you'd have to, I mean... At 10 miles an hour. Assuming you can fly and read, or fly, like, bring a backpack, get a book... It'd be colder, just, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah. Windy, like, might rain. Whereas running, you could do it in three hours. It's still a while. It's a lot of running. Faster than driving, though. When was the last time you did a three-hour run? <laughs> Horrible. When was the last time you ran 100 miles an hour? <laughs> so I think what we've arrived at is... Does that mean a gentle jog is 50 miles an hour? Like, you don't oh, get out, see, out of breath. So I hadn't even considered that aspect. Would you do everything like if you Like, if you've got this... Spilling if you've got stuff all top over the end place. of 100 miles an hour, like, jogging at 20 miles an hour, so you, you're the fastest man on the planet, hands down the fastest man on the planet, unless you have a really long acceleration yeah, phase. Yeah, I see. Flying at 10 miles an hour is like having an electric car. Great for inner-city travel but a bit inconvenient. You start getting range anxiety if you want to go a bit further. Being able to run 100 miles an hour is being able to, is like having a really fast car, but you need a long stretch of motorway. I see. And are you wrecked at the end? Like when you have to lie down and be like, mm. 
But you ha- you'd have to assume that there'd be some metabolic process to make you fly. I see. That's true. Because otherwise... What, so then it's still tiring? Mm. But just energy gels and... Okay. I think for the running, you'd have to bring, you'd have to bring your blue inhaler. Yeah, you would, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Fine. Hold on. <laughs> would you rather... This is a hard one. This is a really serious, earnest, heartfelt question we'll get, from we'll, the reader. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Would you rather continue with your current life or restart it? Restart in... Knowing what you know now. Yes. You'd but rather, you'd rather did, restart Does it? that mean restart um, in the day that I was born or uh, restart in 2019? So if it's, if it's restart the day you were born, I think there's not... So there is some downside. Like you have to go for... Let's say 13, 12... When did you get a bank account? <laughs> do you know what, I, do you see what I mean? Well, no, you just do cash transactions until then. But how do you acquire the cash? There's a lot... I, I think as a sentient baby, there's a lot you can do to acquire cash. <laughs> <laughs> there are things you say that should definitely be put on clothing and mugs <laughs> and written on billboards. Like, that's that's... One of the best things you've but, ever but said. You're, you're claiming that the limiting factor is a, a bank account. Like, <laughs> no, I it's, re- it's one of them. I, re- I mean, Johnny's an accountant, so he's thinking in terms of like, how could you know? I can't be money laundering. I've got to do this legitimately. But mm. as a, uh, but you need you need a way to acquire goods and services if you're going to take advantage of being a sentient baby. Okay, but remember, when we were born, there was no contactless. The um, it was all chip and pin. How would you acquire? How would you acquire cash? It was pre-chip and pin. Yeah, so you could take bets. You could, you know what, you take you, bets. You could be a pool shark. No, what, you know, so you, you, my, imagine a newborn baby comes up to you in a pub and says, mate, I'll play you at pool. People would be like... So you can't reach the pool table. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... And, you, and you wouldn't be allowed in the pub back in 1990. Yeah, okay, so you... And in fact, you can't even get out of the house, because you... Right, but I'd sell heroin. How are you going to acquire the heroin? Find, find a dark web... That didn't exist that in didn't 1980. Exist. See how all the plot holes that exist oh. in Sentient Baby 1.0. You saw this big plan. Oh, wait. Did, I don't know why I even... Just just do gigs as a Sentient Baby. Trading account. <laughs> you, you, you know exactly where the S&P is going to be. But you don't have any money. You don't have a bank account. Do you if, see my point? If, if a baby comes up to you and says, look, I'll... Go short S&P. Go short S&P. Leverage no. as much as you can. There would have been no trading accounts. So you'd have had to have done... Like execution only trading and actually hold the stock. Well, then, you, well, then you can call up. Which means fake stamp duty. It, it. That's fine. So, so okay. a cashless bank accountless baby. Go to Wall Street. Go to Wall Street. Okay, <laughs> baby on Wall Street, and then just execute by phone because you, you, no one's going to know you're a baby on the other end of the line. You can't read. We well, well, you can. Oh, can you? Well, well, this is you're saying. Oh, I see. I said you no, are. No, all oh, right, fine. fine. <laughs> I suppose how can you know what you know now if you can't read or write? Like, how does the? Mm-hmm. Unless it's just a general sense. It's a vague. What does a baby? Feeling. How does a baby think? <laughs> if a baby doesn't know language, how does it think? This is a. Yeah, I mean. There's a lot of... Oh, my God. You should listen to Terence McKenna. He talks a lot about how... What, what is thought like pre-language? And is language the cause of thought? <laughs> it's a very deep hole. Anyway. What the anonymous questioner really asked us... What a, what was, a turn this is going to be. I'm a huge fan of your podcast, and I was just wondering, had you ever considered doing one based on eating disorders and body dysmorphia. I know this is quite common in our industry. I sometimes see elements of it in my own clients, and I've recently been asked about it. Um, I just do it because I think I can be talked about more because I'm my myself anorexic for a number of years. Okay. So, I think Johnny and I have both had a subclinical eating disorder. Would you agree? What do you mean by subclinical? Something Just for all the people, and I know they're in the minority, but the people without medical degrees listening. Okay, <laughs> so something that doesn't doesn't fit uh, either doesn't fit the diagnostic criteria or doesn't require hospital admission or medical treatment. <clears throat> okay, so it wouldn't um, be diagnosed necessarily. I think it would be diagnosed. It would be, right. um, but it wouldn't be 
it it wouldn't necessarily be critical. It wouldn't get to the point where it has to be has to be treated. But it's, okay. it's certainly a yellow yellow flag. Okay. Um, I think I've had both ends. <laughs> so um, the definitely had elements of anorexia, right? And definitely elements of orthorexia. Okay. Neither of which I think were full blown, um, but. What, what's interesting about this, and we've talked about this in our um, article about, well, in your article about why I stopped caring about leanness, mm. um, where the Minnesota starvation experiment is a study where they basically took conscientious objectors from World War II, put them through a systematic starvation diet, and these people were all psychiatrically normal to begin with. By the end, they all exhibited clinical anorexia. And so the conclusion of the study is that you induce a physiological change and you can produce a very real psychiatric outcome. And this is independent of how, um, you know, willpower or emotional stability or anything like that is simply that when the body is starved of calories for long enough, it will produce thought patterns and a mindset that is tantamount to anorexia. Do you think bigorexia is a thing. So I don't know whether this has been officially acknowledged yeah, so, or not. So I think the, the, the Minnesota starvation experiment demonstrates a physiological mechanism mm-hmm. and all bodybuilders, I guarantee all bodybuilders will go through that mindset shift when they're in a pre-contest. Sustained or, calorie deficit. Yeah, yeah, so in a contest prep. So I, I don't think that Johnny and I are particularly unique in this. We Our bodies just did what they're designed to do when we're when they're very deprived of calories and we started to develop those symptoms um when we got very lean and we 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 never we don't really make any kind of pretense about that and we warn clients and everyone that if you if your goal is to get shredded like really really peeled this will happen and it will happen to varying degrees and you have to have a coach to be able to pull you out of it or to a plan to to when to get out of the deficit otherwise it will very quickly just drop off a cliff or you end up rebounding so fast that the whole things can become just a depressive cycle you know you've worked so hard for something you then are unable to see yourself and food rationally and then you overeat massively for a sustained period of time getting a lot of weight very very quickly and the self-hatred kicks in well and we you know you've seen the um fat nick yeah the the bodybuilder who uh we'll, we'll get the video up um, is, is that is that a deliberate thing or is that did he not mean to do that and it that's how it just transpired fat nick post contest in fact we can even put it on this video now so if you're watching on youtube no on the tubes yeah, on youtube then so i will put this video, i'm just watching yusuf do his keyboard wizardry right if you listen to a previous podcast Screen, <laughs> there we are right so can you play it silently in the background yeah so this is a guy called fat nick and he there's little clips of him just eating and eating for about two weeks eating all kinds of and this is directly post contest isn't it like yeah this, so he so he was shredded pre, like, pre this video so but basically what he did is he was like I'm just going to eat for a week and I'm not going to make any I'm not going to hold back at all I'm going to have everything I want and more including like cherry pies and burgers and everything and here are the results that he had he's gone from 220 to 250 pounds and this is very (laughs) so if you're listening he just said he went from 220 to 250 in a week and here he is you need to see the shape he's in on YouTube because he's He's incredible. He's shredded. Yeah. Um, at 100 kilos. Is he 100 kilos in that photo? Yeah. Wow. So, and oh, of course, yeah. From that to that in a week. And now we're looking at a man who is actively chubby. So, look, it, it looks like a lot of fluid retention, but I'm sure a lot of that is also fat mass. Yeah. But, yeah. I think so. I mean, I, I don't know why he did this. Maybe it was a, it's a social experiment. Got 50,000 views in his video. Fair enough. Probably not worth fifty thousand views, but but yeah. So so the the point I'm getting at is that anorexia in particularly in male bodybuilding populations is very easily overlooked, and this is because one of the diagnostic criteria of anorexia is I think it's a fifteen percent weight loss over three months or less, 
Um, and this doesn't, if someone is heavily muscled and already relatively lean and they're systematically starving themselves, it won't necessarily trigger on that total weight loss thing. Mm. Um, and so as a result, it, it gets missed. And I think they're going to have to redefine the criteria. And I think bigorexia is probably the, so is, is, that a, is that recognised or is that just sort of a... Not yet. I think no. the, the diagnostic manual will probably take some time to, mm. to update. Um, but there's new conditions added every every year, like hundreds of, of new weird and wonderful mental health conditions. Um, bigorexia, colloquially, is just people who just think that they're not big enough or think mm. they're too small and they want to keep gaining mass more and more until they're huge. Um <laughs> And so it's, I guess it's the reversal. Did you see that? No. A guy was wearing a jacket the wrong way around. So, no. Stuart, that's, that, I mean, that, that could be in the DSM. So the jacket, it was, was draped over him with the arms coming down there and the hood was here. Bizarre. So the, Sorry, I mean, again, I derailed it again. Well, that, that might be one of one of the new conditions that's updated for in, bigorexia. in 2020. Yeah, like... So, so reverse uh, jacketosis, <laughs> jackitis, jackitis, orthorexia, anorexia, bigorexia, orthorexia. So I think we've been there too. Yeah. Which is, is I suppose, I don't know. I don't want to murder the definition. Do you know the definition? Let's look it up. Hey, Johnny here. Just a really quick interruption to this episode to let you know about a resource we now have up and running on propinfitness.com. One of the most popular questions we get from readers and listeners is, hey guys, what would you recommend for my starting calories for fat loss or muscle gain? How much protein, carbs, fat? How many calories should I eat to begin my journey as a starting point? Normally, this is something that we do for clients when they come into our program, the Propin Protocol. But recently, we have opened up the calculator that we use for all of our clients so that you can get a free calculation, a free starting point of what we would recommend if you were to start as a client with us for your protein, carbs, fats, and calories overall for either fat loss or muscle gain, customized to you and your goal. If you want to get access to that, it is totally free. You just have to go to propinfitness.com forward slash calculator, enter your information, and we will send your macros and your calorie recommendations to that email address. And we'll also send you a few free resources over email just to pad that out and ensure that you have the best possible chances of reaching your goals in fat loss and muscle gain. Hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Orthorexia. So obsession with eating foods that one considers healthy. So clean foods, the obsession with clean foods. We definitely had this and uh, it can lead to systematically avoiding foods that don't fit that criteria and what's most heartbreaking about this is that actually clean foods don't exist (laughs) there is no such thing you looked like someone delivering the news that santa doesn't exist there well it's the same facial expression i suppose it's it's the same level of realization when you see the light don't you oh it it certainly was for us it was very like oh like it's kind of good news but what have i been doing wasting my time i suppose in terms of these conditions i feel like this one is the one we are perhaps best equipped to discuss. Mm-hmm. I think certainly anorexia gets very quickly... Well, it is just outside the context of fitness, isn't it? Yeah. And I think you should be seeking medical, professional medical help rather than... Really high mortality rate with anorexia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So very serious. And I think don't listen to people on a podcast. If, if you feel you're in that realm or you know someone in that realm don't, don't yeah. listen to fitness professionals for that stuff oh absolutely not there's a lot of fitness professionals that will throw throw around um treatment options for it as well and mm-hmm. unfortunately there is no um substitute for correct medical care sometimes acutely and refeeding systematically under very very supervised conditions and if you know someone who you think is anorexic they often do not have insight into the condition. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when Johnny and I were pre-anorexic or like basically dieting for either a, um, a competition or just getting really lean, which is anyone getting that lean, then we didn't have the insight into that. And I remember avoiding social events that involved food because it was so stressful and constantly being consumed by the idea of food. 
but not really having an insight into how much impact it was having until coming out of it until after the fact and you're like oh man like i think it is i think it is important to stress that it is a different situation to someone who is because there is there's body dysmorphia there for, for sure and that you constantly feel like you aren't lean enough but the goal for someone who is dieting um for the purposes of achieving a certain body fat percentage to appear a certain way for, for a bodybuilding or physique con- 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 um, context is also very heavily considering um, maintaining strength and muscle mass, consuming sufficient protein, consuming fruit and vegetables. You know, there's a, the focus is not weight loss overall. At it's, all causes, it's, yeah. it's, it's body fat loss. And also it is still very visual, but I think it is important to stress that, we weren't headed towards this this situation of um, just that, weight loss at all costs. It's within the context of a, a, a bodybuilder, I suppose. And so we were, yeah, the etiology, the causative factors were very different. And so as a result, we were fortunately much uh, less risk of um, suicide or electrolyte disturbances mm. or, or the... Um, well, because actually we were probably paying more attention than we do now yeah. to ensuring <laughs> that we were getting sufficient nutrients across the board. I mean, you you are systemically insufficient, but you're still managing your your micronutrition and yeah, stuff like that very ab- carefully. Absolutely. Um, but as, for someone in that position, that's why people discuss reverse dieting or recovery dieting to bring you out of that state of mind. The reason why we aren't both still in that state of mind is because we had a a plan post diet to get us out of that. We didn't need an objectivity. An objective. Someone like, to say, you know, this that's, is that's this enough. Is, yeah, but you don't. We didn't need CBT or medical intervention to get that. It was just a case of, of you know, profession. Someone professionally, a coach, managing our um, our calories for us. Um, but I think orthorexia is probably something that, even after that, I would say lingered, mm-hmm. and probably st- I think for most people, you know, so certainly the mainstream fitness community, I would say orthorexia is probably the most prevalent oh massively um, and it's funny because the predominant character type personality type in someone who is into into fitness and successful in fitness predicates that they are obsessional to some degree mm-hmm. that they have an obsessional anencastic style personality because that's what's required to be successful in building your physique you know you need a, a very um very consistent and relatively regimented life over over years to produce the result that we're looking for. Now, as a result, that means that those people are particularly prone to obsessional style behavior patterns, including orthorexia or even, and this is where it gets so weird, that that orthorexic mentality, and I've, uh, you, you see this a lot with certain food Instagram accounts, you know where I'm going with this, mm-hmm. people that were previously orthorexic, <laughs> thought that they saw the light. They went into this like false nutritional enlightenment of if it fits your macros eating. And then all they've done is they substituted one form of obsession with another. And then they become obsessed with putting Nutella on, um, you know, 12 macro, grams of, macro friendly foods. Isn't yeah. It? 12 grams of Nutella on 37 grams of quark. Um, and some with a quest bar chopped up and layered on top. Uh, and when and you I think really of the phrase food. macro friendly foods, it is ludicrous because there is not a single food that is not best friends with macros. <laughs> like the, I, I can't remember who it was. It was like, your dog has macros. Your grandma has macros. Like everybody you know that consumes nutrition. I think that was me. Was it? Was it, was it really? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Some genius on the internet. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, I think that's actually the most insidious form of it, mm-hmm. for, as far as I'm concerned, because someone then preaches that really hard. Because they've, they've had an epiphany yeah. that they then want to tell everybody. That's still being driven by that really obsessional... Mm. Um, yeah, it's... And, it, and people misinterpret flexible dieting. They, people think flexible dieting or flexible eating is tracking macros. Mm-hmm. Because you can be just as obsessed about going 20 grams over your carbs as I, I shouldn't have eaten that, that oh, crunchy. So much. Or that curly-whirly. We, we have a systematic process 
to detach yourself, you know, medical issues ex- excluding, um, to detach yourself systematically from obsession with certain styles of eating or certain um, foods. It's in our members area for the propane protocol. So anyone who is a client of ours at any level will get access to this. And uh, you can always go on propaneprotocol.com to, to access it along with all of our other stuff. But we we have this basically as a way to try and eliminate or mi- minimize the mental ram that you're spending towards food. And ironically, as long as you have the inputs taken care of, the less attention you can pay to food, the better for your success with dieting. And the real problem I have with these Instagram accounts, whether they're clean eating or macro friendly, or it doesn't matter because they really glorify and they really obsess over food. And you see some people that take a photo of every meal they eat and every meal they eat is perfectly crafted and looks really aesthetic. And you're thinking, okay, even just to make that look nice probably took you at least half an hour. Mm. Do you think spending that much thought, that much mental headspace towards your food is a healthy thing to do? In some cases, might be fine if it's if it's your job, you're, if it's your profession, you're a chef or something. So then, I, I think that's you know. the only case. Yeah, because any anything else is obsessing over the wrong things for the wrong reasons. I would say mm-hmm. uh, the chopped quest bar. Yeah, yeah, and and thinking that like I'm a, I'm a flexible dieter now, so I need to eat, start eating grenade bars, and I need to. Um, make protein pancakes for my breakfast and I need to be following everything that these certain food bloggers are suggesting for recipes. But actually, like, if you were to follow my diet or Yusuf's diet, even though this this is literally what we do, um, that it wouldn't look anything like what you would expect from a, a fitness professional. That's not because necessarily we think it's magically optimal. It's just that we've we've reached the point where we've realized that actually um the way that you feel about this stuff and your mindset around it um and that your thought patterns around food are actually just as important as specifically uh what you eat if you've just if you're watching on youtube you'll have just seen a very uh he's looking a bit unwell a bit grainy yeah, yeah i don't know why that's happened but, but homer simpson um is this diet brain? Yeah. So this is the uh, the old diagram, and basically, so as Johnny was saying, that the if you were to look at our diets, they, there's but more the the amount of headspace. I probably spend one percent of my day, maybe mm. half a percent of my day, thinking or planning about food. And yeah, I think that's that's fair. And to it's say. only just I imagine it's like time to eat what am i going to eat yeah yeah or maybe even not even that maybe not because i i I just stick everything in the slow cooker Mm. and then when it's time to eat okay whereas during this phase it was very much like this homer simpson diagram where the majority like the big chunks of my brain capacity were just being put towards like donuts or Mm. when am i going to eat next when's the next meal and uh, it really is quite debilitating because <laughs> it just stops you from being well, able to so do anything else. Yeah, it does. And especially when you've just eaten and the first thing you think of is, well, like, what am I next having? Or you start to find planning your meals in your, in your phone or whatever. So there's that side of it. But also there's the, um, I suppose if you, a good telltale sign would be if you find yourself, and I can definitely remember this headspace vividly, someone says, on a Wednesday morning at work, we're going for pizza on Friday night or yes, we're going for food on Friday night. Do you fancy coming? And what should be a really sort of opportunistic, fun thing to be involved with suddenly becomes this like macro Tetris juggling situation where you're trying to think, how can I fit this in? Or, you know, try, how can I, you know, researching the menu online, how can I order, um, chicken and broccoli there without looking like a total twat it's reflexive as well isn't it yeah i, I was laughing because a guy just walked past like oh really <laughs> it's not that cold outside but <laughs> it's like rain face yeah in the face that, that means you get just as wet but you walk around with rain face the whole time rain face i like it um yeah and it's, it's the reflexive like oh god how am i gonna fit that in mm. rather than oh that'd be nice to see them <laughs> it's, yeah. it's crazy how yeah oh, that would be cre- fun creeps up on you fun starts to become stress and so it, if you start having stuff like that or 
you're, you're making these complex cocktails of, of specific foods, whether it's clean foods or macro friendly foods, um, then it, it, I suppose, how do you, how do you deprogram that way of thinking? I think the, what used to help me a lot was just trying to put in context why that stuff mattered. Um, so, you know, why do I think that I need to eat these foods? What is it about them that I think is special? Why do I think that I need to eat in this way at all? In fact, like, why am I dieting? What am I trying to get towards? And actually, if that's the goal, then, then what actually matters? You know, does, does the composition of um, where my protein, carbohydrate and fat, what does that actually matter? Does it actually matter that I hit those three numbers every single day? Does it matter that I'm in a calorie deficit every single day or every single week? And can I, could I quantify the effect of going out and having a few beers in a negative sense? And if, and a lot of the time, most people, unless you're, um, at the at kind of the peak ends of performance, either from a, a physique perspective or a strength or physical performance perspective, I, you probably will not notice. In, in fact, I'd like to note to meet the person who does notice. Um, if you follow like some of the top powerlifters in the UK, a lot of them, you see photos of them with, you know, cans of beer and this Stephen Manuel springs to mind. So many top Olympic athletes smoke weed frequently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're thinking like, well, and that like the, you know, the famous Usain Bolt thing of him having chicken nuggets before the race. Oh. Like there's a man who is just, doesn't care and is the fastest man in the world. It's insane. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, he's doing, he's doing a lot of other very specific work that's allowing him to get the results, but trying to just separate yourself from it for a, for a second. And if someone for an alien lands from another planet and goes, why are you having protein pancakes with chopped up quest bars? Mm. If you can't explain it without just saying, Oh yeah, well it's for the macros, man. Like, okay, what are macros? Why do they matter? Why does it matter that you hit your macros? Why does it matter that you hit your macros every day? Trying to view it like that, because what you'll probably go on. Well, th this exercise that you're describing is, is really, valuable to take outside of your diet as well to take outside of to put towards everything that you do particularly if you are the description that we've just said of the personality traits matches what you're like if you are do you have a tendency to be a bit obsessional about stuff or a bit addictive you know addictive people say oh, i've got an addictive personality um then check that that addiction isn't being funneled into maybe it's not food maybe food's not your problem maybe it's phone usage or maybe it's social media, you know, that, that kind of stuff, because that, I mean, that's designed to be, <laughs> that, that is, that's designed to be addictive as well. And so it harnesses and takes hooks into any existing trait that we have, any existing predisposition to being addicted by something and it doubles down on it. So it's like, if I said to you, okay, you you're going to, uh, there's a game, I've got this app, it's a game and um, you're going to go head to head with a group of guys in the U S and all of them are MIT, Harvard grads, some of the, some of the smartest minds in the tech world. Um, do you think, do you fancy chances of winning? It's, it's 5,000 of them Yeah, against, against, against you. you and they're getting paid to play the game. Big money. And you're not. Performance based pay as well. The lot, the, the, the more they beat you, the more they get paid. Oh God. Okay. But you, so... you, you're just going to pay, play like when you're at the bus stop and, Okay, like but, but, but they're, they're playing full time. Yeah, that, what or, do I don't know. I think I think I probably wouldn't have a chance. No, not a not a hope really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bloody hell! When you put it like that, yeah, it's really frightening. And remember that the, their game, their metric for winning, is TOS, time on screen. Mm -hmm. That said, though, I think it's fine. It'll all just be fine. I think that's fine. I think all the data stuff's fine. And I think people have more important things to worry about. Well, we'll we'll all be destroying ourselves as a human race. Because it's because like the next and this is years. a proper this is a proper sidetrack. Um, but if someone's worrying about like their Facebook time, but when they're working, they're not focusing on like if they're not when they sit when they sit down to work, they're kind of chatting with their mates and uh, they're just reading emails and replying to emails and like avoiding the big project. Like it doesn't really matter well, that you I spend think, three hours on Facebook. I think one of those procrastinating things will be having Facebook. having Facebook open on a tab. Get cold turkey. 
Cold turkey. That's the, that really is the solution. To so like, I, I still have Facebook. Look at it every day. But I've seen some people that will watch a TV show while yeah, scrolling a screen. Two screening, double screening. It's yeah. like I think a lot of people do that. Terrifying. Mm. Anyway, what before we go too off track, you were talking about examining why oh, yeah. you're doing something. And so the next step from that is zoom out. So rather than look at a day or a meal think okay well I'm going to start looking at a week and I'm just going to summarize what I do on a weekly basis or even a monthly basis rather than meal by meal and these little granular details start to seem far less important so okay my goal is weight loss what actually matters so there's lead indicators and lag indicators the things I can control and then the things that say am I winning yes or no so lead indicators are total calorie intake and how many training sessions I've done, let's say. So I'm just going to track those two things on a weekly basis, and then I'm going to measure my weight on average over the, over the course of a week. When you look at those numbers, okay, so I, I trained four times this week, and my calorie intake was 2,500 under my predicted maintenance, and my weight's down. Amazing. Oh, but on Monday I had that, that croissant for breakfast, and oh, on Wednesday we went out for lunch, and Friday I did have half a bottle of wine, that that's really uh, bad for me, isn't it? But zoom out, it becomes suddenly much less relevant. So anytime you find yourself worrying about the details and the granular stuff, at firstly, ask yourself, why am I doing it? So could I explain this behavior to an alien who has no context of what I'm doing and, and doesn't follow your favorite food blogger on Instagram, right? And then can I, if I were to zoom out and look at the numbers that actually matter, does do these things or do these details actually help to explain the result, what, either positively or negatively? What's that quote? Like, a mistake is only a mistake if you do it twice. Something like that. Yeah. And um, I, so I'm coming up to my medical finals. One of the exams is... Doctor, you sir. Doctor. Is, well, one of the exams is uh, multiple stations, back-to-back. So you're doing, you do eight of them, um, where you do an observed clinical so encounter. Pec deck, three sets of ten. Pec deck. And then overhead Chest press. forward row, lap pull down. Then, then abs at the end. Abs. For, um, so, <laughs> wood chops. With a, yeah. um, so e- each one is a six or ten minute encounter where you do a quick um, examination or history and then you're on to the next one and the next one. And what they say is the people that fail are not the ones that screw up one particular station it's the ones who screw up a station and then carry that through to the next one. And and then they think, oh, it's very much the same as I've eaten a slice of cake. Oh, I've gone off my diet. Right, I'll just eat the whole thing, mm. whatever. And so really it's not it's about... The, the Mondays, case of the Mondays. It, yeah, exactly. So it's not about the half bottle of wine. It's about after you've had it, do you think I'm just going to throw baby out with bathwater or I'm just going to get back on track? No and, problem. And that's actually the worst aspect of being in a mindset of I can only eat clean food because as soon as you don't it's not a case of oh it's alright I'll just get back on track it's, it's I've oh, done shit, the worst thing I've, in the world I've gone done fuck this <laughs> how do I how do I unfuck it do you remember do you want to tell a story about how <laughs> your I think your brother ordered you a coffee and it had sweet, it had uh, sugar in it see and so you I did I'll let you have it right so but back in the dark ages Back in the, the dark, dark days, oh. down the dark, dark path in the dark, dark woods. Was some dark, a man dark on the <laughs> Three skeletons lived. <laughs> if anyone recognises what that's from, please let us know. So, um, flux has just come on. That's why we went orange, and we're going fuzzy because the sun is setting outside. Back in the dark ages, Johnny and I used to do alternate day fasting. So, fast for thirty-six hours, eat for twelve hours, repeat. I was in the middle of one of my fasts and uh, I had it in my head that the, f- the whole benefit of the fast is about having insulin low for so long that you get this cumulative gain in growth hormone and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and so my brother got me a coffee. I thought, okay, it's fine. It's a black coffee. I had a sip of it and I was like, oh man, there's like four sugars in this. One sip. Oh, that's, that's it. I've ruined my fast now. I'm going to go have a tuna cheese melt <laughs> because what's the point in carrying on now I've had a bit yeah. of sugar um, Johnny did this hardcore in a, he went to the cinema this is a po- story we tell a lot on the podcast but mm. I, I just really really like it it's been immortalised I had no idea at the time <laughs> so 
Do you want me to tell it? Yeah. Uh, Johnny went to the cinema, and during at the end of his thirty-six hour fast, or like the the, the day of the fast, so twenty yeah twenty-four hours in. So, but arguably the hardest part's over at that point. Yeah, you've got to go to sleep. John, the home stretch, sat down with a <coughs> two-liter bottle of Volvic Touch of Fruit. Two two-liter bottles. Two two-liter bottles. Okay, Volvic Touch of Fruit, strawberry flavor. Finished strawberry. them both and was like, "That's lovely." Volvic Touch of Fruit, like they they managed to make water that's just delicious, and delicious. Yeah, and yeah, and it's just totally sugar. F- Fuck. <laughs> Twelve grams of sugar per hundred grams, which means yeah. you just had something like four hundred grams of carbs. Yeah. Uh, Gone done. Fucked it. Without eat. Oh man. Yeah. Without so that that's it's the worst kind of calories. The calories that. You can't even tell whether you've eaten or not. You know, like, like it's the it's the Lindlin door, if, like where you eat one and you're like, and without the taste in my mouth, the could, ball, could, chocolate yeah, ball things, like, yeah. like a hundred calories. Those things, really, like little bullets of uh, <laughs> calorie density. Bloody hell! If you want to gain weight, go on the Lindlin door. They're not that expensive either. No, it's a very easy way, and they come in like different. So you could even have variety. You could have them in a bowl, like cereal. With milk, so way over little indoor. You're thinking about this, aren't you? <laughs> Do you know what, Johnny? That's not that far removed from what cereal actually is. <laughs> you get cereal that is basically chocolate and little indoor with milk poured on top. Would just be it would be cereal pro, wouldn't it? When you think about cereal it, v two, cereal as a concept is mental. Just yeah, it really is. It's like, like so. It's like crisps. It's like sweet crisps. But crisps are mental. But where where we are, aren't we like evolutionarily? Is that right? Evolutionarily, yeah. Designed to seek crunch and snap. Really? Yeah. Because I think it it signifies something being like ripe ripe for eating. Yeah. I suppose crisp berries, very nice. Yeah. Chicken wings that have been Mm. crisped. So, for example. KFC, <laughs> when the Paleolithic man used to go down to KFC and just get a bargain bucket. Get a bucket. bargain bucket, yeah. But or he had a tower to burger. it was like well cooked. Or the zinger, you'd have to get, you know. <sighs> the hash brown. So there's like, why are fried things nice? Because they're, yeah. they're crunchy. Because it's natural in it. It's Cereal's nice, it's crunchy. Healthy oils and it's all about your beta oxidation and your salmon. Avocado. Avocado. You have cereal every morning, don't you? Pretty much, you yeah. still... I had a, I did have an egg and hash brown sandwich this morning. Ooh, delicious. But that was just because my breakfast was not my own. I went for breakfast. Got it. Well, I, I, I was... <laughs> it's at, still your breakfast. Like, you can still own it. That's true. You know? I, I was at a cardiology workshop where they give you... Where they give you egg and hash brown. Yeah. But I thought it was bad for your heart. Egg. All of it. Just the whole thing. Food. That's true, actually. It's very, very meta, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Cool. There's another just just to quickly just to just to turn up the med student. So we'll just fire, turn him on. Um, I think another consideration with clean food is that it's healthy, mm-hmm. and that so let's say let's say that I have my super fantastic Lindor breakfast, mm-hmm. right? So I have ten Lindor with some whey. Okay. Or I have um, avocado on Ezekiel bread with a poached egg. Okay. Right? So, proper breakfast, twat breakfast, <laughs> one of the two. Right. Calories and macronutrients are matched. Most people would look at that and go, oh, it's going to give you diabetes, that's going to give you a cancer, that. Whereas the avocado one, people will think, well, healthy fats. Healthy. What is the... If you were to... Is is one bad? Is one good? Okay. In the simplest terms, the the difference between those two meals qualitatively mm-hmm. is the fibre content mm-hmm. and the micronutrient content. Okay. And the satiety value. Yeah. Lind Lindor with milk probably means an hour later you're still with whey. With whey, you'd probably be hungrier again yeah. within. I mean, actually, Forty minutes. Although whey is actually quite good for satiety. Quite, yeah. It does limit your. Can mm. we turn on that light? Um, just tap the light. <sighs> Oh, technology lovely. isn't that great oh. um, so apart from the satiety value but the size of the shadow on the wall oh yeah Hello. so 
So let's assume that um, you have your calories matched, but then you're hungrier later in the day. Lind- Lindor man is going to eat much more food throughout the day. Is going to gain more weight. Yeah. So yeah, and, and then they'll have to supplement with vitamins or or, or fiber if they do that day in day out and they end up slowly deficient. Generally, though, vitamin deficiencies are not very common in the Western world. Um, I think to become deficient in vitamins, you've got to have such a restrictive, narrow diet. And the way to avoid that is actually just to eat a broad range of things, not necessarily to eat only clean things. You can you can actually get vitamin deficient by eating only broccoli. Mm. It's about eating the wide range. However, and I know this is a bit of a false dichotomy, but you've got the guy who's 80% body fat, trained three times a week, eats Lindor with whey and milk for breakfast. You've got the guy who's 35% body fat, (laughs) eats 900 calories of avocado on Ezekiel bread and poached egg, and is inactive, but it's fine because he eats clean. Then you say, okay, which one's more healthy? Which one would you bet would have the better biomarkers, Mm. the better inflammatory markers, the better blood pressure, the better cardiovascular risk? (laughs) (laughs) So keeping in mind then, that you can become 8% body fat training three times a week while eating the super mega fantastic Lindor breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's much better to manage the the key indicators. So the, the, the fundamentals of being active, having some sort of activity that you're doing regularly and managing your body fat percentage. Yeah. And part of managing or, or like the a big portion of managing your body fat percentage is managing your hunger managing your satiety long article on that on propanefitness.com forward slash hunger and that's important why because if you're feeling less hungry throughout the day you'll eat fewer calories you'll lose fat you'll stay leaner it's easier C- consistency right yeah it's just easier so there's no there's no magic formula and yeah, the Ezekiel bread and the avocado and stuff, people will eat that for breakfast. They'll be fuller. They'll lose fat. They'll attribute their great progress to some magical thing within the avocado, but actually Occam's razor says it's a lot simpler than that. So we have recently, and this may or may not be the case depending on when you're listening or watching this, we've recently started promoting um, our kind of our flagship article uh, which is how we got lean while eating Haribo cheesecake and Pringles, which the reason why that was such a profound thing for us at the time was that we were just coming out of this orthorexic phase, I suppose. And the, one of the ways that we dealt with it was we'd heard people say, you know, I got lean. So Matt Ogus, for example, good, good example on YouTube. He's literally bodybuilder lean, like peeled like, I think the phrase is dick skin conditioning. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry for that mental image if you're eating or anything like that. But, um, and he spent a lot of time eating at Chipotle and, and eating a food that sort of seemingly would like, well, this doesn't match up. So the way that we did it was we just, right, well, in, in true propane fashion. Let's take the piss. Lie on the train tracks and hope we don't <laughs> get run over. And lo and behold, we got lean while eating Haribo, Cheesecake and Pringles. And we present that article, Yusuf wrote it, it's presented in a very, very non-emotional, objective way of just like, look, this is what happened. This is what we did. This is what happened. And people just cannot accept it. Because they say, you know, they they think that, well, they didn't have Ezekiel or Ezekiel bread, however you pronounce it. Um, It can't work. That that really... um put foods on pedestals, put certain types of superfoods and things on pedestals. And it's like, it's all just food. It gets broken down into the same substrates in the end. Mm. Let's not be a willy about it. So, and actually these things self-regulate over time. If you've been eating lint with whey and milk every morning for breakfast, do that for six weeks and you'll be gagging for a bit of broccoli or some, you know, some vegetables, an apple, an apple. And, And actually Chipotle, I imagine that's like burritos and mm. stuff. Delicious. It's delicious, but actually, it's not too bad. What is it? Beans? Beans, chicken, cheese, meat, che- vegetables, bread. Like, yeah, okay, it's a fast food outlet probably, but... people. I think people have this idea 
that in food like that, there's this other stuff. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I, I don't mean I don't mean that sarcastically. It's like it, I honestly think it's that, like, that, like in the flat Earth thing, they're like, oh, it's the heavenly energies. Yeah, like, there's yeah. something because because immediately I, you can almost see the conversation through, can't you? Like. So I'm going to have Lint Lindor and, and whey for breakfast. Yeah, but it's all the it's, got the, it's all the additives and the shit they put in lint. It's the chemicals. Like, yeah. What is that? Like what? Or, or rather, what do people think that is? I don't know. Do you know? I guess we'll have to answer that <laughs> next week. There was something else I was going to say. What was it? Oh my god! What was it? No, no, no! Don't do it! What? Oh, come on! Come on! Oh, I've got it! <laughs> um, the other thing that's really annoying is because this this gets a, a, a kick in the other direction so far the other direction that people say so someone someone commented on this article today going yeah it's just a calorie deficit like okay like I'm a billionaire well yeah you just made loads of money and saved it like well yes just spend less than you earn like simply like but the, okay go and tell a poor person <laughs> spend yeah. less than they earn because I think the the biggest the big thing that's missed from the advice of just eat, eat less move more or just eat a calorie deficit is that is that may well be the correct process but a human living a normal life is not just this algorithm that you just go boop, 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 boop. all right calorie deficit done see the lean version of you in six months time like there's a lot to manage that emotionally, physically, socially, that gets in the way of just eat a calorie deficit. This is what we take care of, and that's that's the the value that we provide to you. Is that the process we have allows your your process, your physique, to become as much of that black box as possible. Mm. But there's a lot going on in there. There's a lot of managing your social events and your hunger and all that stuff. But we've come to the simplest inputs that you can generate to produce the output that you need the simplest rules if you will for dramatic results and with that thank you for watching we can go speak to you soon bye hey johnny again hope you enjoy that episode so we have an opportunity for you something that we have put together that is totally free that is a synthesis of everything that yusuf and i have learned in fat loss muscle gain nutrition training lifestyle habits the works everything that you hear on these podcasts condensed and more condensed into a synthesis of seven days of learning and immersive experience to totally overhaul enhance and accelerate the results you're getting currently in your training and your nutrition no matter how advanced you are or aren't we put together a virtual learning interactive coaching experience called the seven day kickstart that you can take part in whenever you're ready to. To join, simply go propinfitness.com forward slash seven day kickstart. Enter your details and you'll be sent everything that you need. You'll be coached by the Propin Fitness coaching team over seven days for free. You'll get seven days of content sent to your email completely for free. And it gives you a look behind the scenes of what we do with clients and gives you a ton of information that previously was only available to paying clients inside of our world. So propinfitness.com forward slash seven day kickstart to take part. And we hope to see you inside. See you in the next episode. Speak soon.